Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 39 of Infield Bird. It's been, it seems like, a year since we've, we've, we've last discussed the America's pastime, but we're back for another one. And, uh, I mean, we've got a whole trade deadline to talk about, so we're going to talk about that, uh, which teams made the right moves, and um, I guess which teams uh, which teams didn't. So um, let's get started right away. I will welcome in my co-host, as always, Mr. Matt Chase, uh, who has been a busy man, um, to say the least. You have been... Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's been going on because you've been you've been in the game. It's not like you've been away from the sport. What's been going on with you? Yeah. Um, so you know, I've been first of all, I started out playing a little college summer baseball, which is always fun. But then uh, absolutely doing a little internship this summer with PBR. That's a prep baseball report for all you out there. Uh, basically, last week they asked me to go down to Georgia and work their like main futures game event where every state. Um, brings their best players down. They play a little tournament in front of all the mm. all the D1 coaches, basically. And, uh, I mean, let me just say it was uh, quite the experience, you know, 100 degrees every day and turf in Georgia, just, uh, you know, something I've never seen before. But, yeah, been busy. But, uh, you know, been around baseball. Can't ask for more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds incredible. I mean, I, I'm sure you the, the the crop of talent that you got to see um was pretty cool was there one that stood I know you you were telling me about some of the guys you saw but was there one that stood out to you in particular yeah well so there was I'll tell two stories okay one so I was I was in charge of coaching our 14U New York team and we had a catcher so we there's a 17U which is the main team and then they bring down 14U guys just to kind of get them in the system a little bit and you know who doesn't want to play more baseball anyway so we have this catcher um absolute stud he he gets there first game he throws from behind the plate 82 to 83 miles an hour which is like pro level kid also rakes runs like a 760 which is fast for a catcher absolute stud first day we're down there plays first game i think Duke, BC, and Virginia all offered him on the spot as a 14-year-old. Um, he threw a couple balls. He threw one kid out from his knee to second base. And then he threw a ball to third base that was an absolute rocket. Wow. From like, I mean, like an absolute dart. He threw it so hard that the third baseman didn't even have time to catch it. It just went right off his wrist. Um, anyway, kid also rakes, freak player. Yeah. But then um, – so the 17U last day um, with um, the Pennsylvania team, because we do New York and Pennsylvania. Yeah. And we're playing Colorado. All of a sudden, Colorado brings a six-foot, six-inch absolute unit of a man onto the mound. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, on the scoreboard, they've got the velocity, the spin rate, all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking up at his warm-up pitches. You know, it's like 86 to 88. I'm like, you know, that's good. Like, big kid, projectable. Like, you know, that's nice. First fastball he threw. The catcher called it, the umpire called it a strike, and then our hitter swung. It was <laughs> 94.6 miles an hour. Oh, my God. I was I was like, whoa. Like, everybody was like, whoa. There was, like, maybe 10 coaches there because there's four fields. Yeah. And so all the other coaches were spread out among the other fields because no one had ever heard about this kid. I go up to the umpire after the inning. 
So I'm like, dude, like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, like that dude's crazy. He told me that apparently they found him from like some small town in Colorado. Mm -hmm. He had never done a perfect game, a PBR event, like anything. There's no scouting on this kid, like ever. This was his first event. The kid sat 91 to 95 with four pitches. I mean, like good, like a really good changeup, a backdoor slider to a lefty and a good curveball. And he ended up throwing, I think, two or three innings. By, like, the last inning, I think every major Division One college coach was sitting there watching, like, yeah. who is this absolute specimen? Wow. Um, but, I mean, like, that's I, – I can't remember his name, but I'm sure we'll be seeing him in the big league soon. Like, six foot wow. six, 245-pound kid at 17 years old throwing 95 miles an hour from, from the from sticks of Colorado. Was he a le- he said he was a lefty, right? He was a righty, actually. Oh, he was, he was a lefty, okay. like he was a lefty, it would have been like yeah, oh, but no, I mean even still, doing? yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. That's I mean, yeah, it's wild. That's insane. Especially at that, like to I mean, did he have command of those four pitches? Oh, yeah. That, wow. No, he was he was not wild at all. I don't think he walked a kid. Wow. And like obviously, when you like most of the pitchers down there were. 86 to 88 you know yeah. like which is very good for high school so when you're throwing 93 like obviously none of the our guys were putting the ball in play much so you have to like really fill it up and i don't think he walked a single kid wow like he was just dot 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 slider see you later it was crazy wow that's impressive that's it's always cool i mean honestly it's cool no matter what age you get to see that that type of talent at but it's a it's another it kind of I don't know. It brings another aspect of it when you're watching those kids at that yeah. at that age and they're that good, that young. Yeah. Um, I don't know if like depressing is the word for it, but like <laughs> I don't know. Like I think about well, it's true. I mean, like you just think of, think back to like when you were you know 16, yeah. 17, just like imagine throwing 95 miles an hour. I can't. Like that just it, I mean, that's it's insane. Um kids are freak athlete, absolute stud, but yeah. Yeah, I was I was absolutely blown away with what I was watching. Yeah, that's super impressive. Well, I mean, I'm glad you got to stay around the game um, and keep you know keep your chops, keep everything sharp. Um, you were doing that for the pod, and that's what we at the end of yeah, the day. Of that's course. what we do. You have to, everything's for the pod. Absolutely, um, I love it. Well, perfect. So let's get into let's talk some major league baseball. I know that kid's probably going to be in the majors soon, but <laughs> um, we'll talk about the players in there right now. I think. Um, uh, before we even do that, we should, you know, uh, pay tribute to the, unfortunately, like tough news in the baseball world yesterday, Vince Scully passing away. Um, I know, you know, you don't really, you don't even have to be, you don't have to be a Dodgers fan. Um, you honestly don't even need to be a baseball fan to know who Vince Scully is and appreciate everything that he's done for the game. Um, I know, uh, as a Mets fan, his call of the, of game six of the world series when the, um, when the Mets walked off the the Red Sox, the ball went through uh, the Buckner's legs. I mean, just an iconic call. Kirk Gibson's home run call. Um, I mean, obviously an incredible loss, but um, uh, I mean, rest in peace to the greatest of all time, right? Yeah, I mean, then yeah, it was obviously terrible news last yeah. night. Um, but yeah, I mean that. Just like I think the biggest thing was just like the way he 
almost like made you feel like you were talking like he was your friend yeah. and like it's almost like he was just sitting next to you watching the game yeah and like the total calmness and just like the way he made you just appreciate the game yeah. for what it was um he was he was the best and uh it's terrible news but um you know it's it's not, you know, you don't, you really don't ever see it when, like, you think of the Los Angeles Dodgers, like, you think of Ben Scully, he's yeah. one of the main guys you think of, and, uh, you know, not even a player. Yeah, but now, like, you, you think the Dodgers is the guy that the called the game. Yeah. 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 But um, just the way he did it and the way he would almost, like, you know, like, he never forced anything. He sometimes he would just let the crowd, you know, yep. like, you just let you listen to the crowd or, you know, the way he also, like, told stories. Yes, um, yes. Just, he was one of a kind, man. And yeah. uh, it's just, you know, he was a great guy. So, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. terrible news. But he had, a, he was, his impact on baseball and Dodgers will certainly never be forgotten. Yeah, really, really well said. I think what you said about him, you know, telling a story, the way that he was able to, like, intertwine storytelling into calling a baseball game is something that I don't think anybody does now, and I don't think anybody ever will, at least not, like, Vince Scully. So anyways, let's talk about the game that Vince Scully loved, and that is baseball. I mean, it was – we're going to start where everybody wants us to start. Um, I mean, let's talk Juan Soto. I know um, – I, I mean, we didn't do a podcast immediately when – because I remember I was in California when you, te- when you texted me and he had turned down the 15-year $440 million contract. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, here we go. The trade market is open. And that's what the nationals were saying. They said, we're open for business. And, and sure enough, I mean, as of yesterday at 11 AM, it turned out that just before noon, they, they were in business for real. Um, I know there was a lot of speculation. We heard teams that were vanning about, you know, you had the, obviously you had the Padres talking, you had the Dodgers, you had the Cardinals were another team. You know, there were a couple other teams that were, were talking as well. The Yankees, um, but ultimately it ended up being, uh, the San Diego Padres and not only did they get Juan Soto, they got Josh Bell as well. Um, I mean, before we, I mean, we can get into the whole package, but I want to ask you, I mean, what was your initial reaction when you saw this trade go through? I mean, I, there's two things. I was, I was just surprised that he actually got traded. Yeah. was the first reaction. And then honestly, the second was. I was happy that the Dodgers didn't get him because yeah. um, not that I'm a Dodgers hater or anything, but, you know, they're already so loaded and they just felt like he was going to end up in LA just because they always make the big move. Um, I think just the excitement of what that lineup's going to look like when Tatis gets back with Soto and Machado. I mean, yeah. that one to me is it's the best in baseball. And um I think it was, and you know, you add a guy like Josh Bell. That's a sneaky good acquisition in that trade as well. He's a big time power bat at first base. Um, you know, something that the Padres really, um, you know, it's a big upgrade for them as well. Yeah. So you get to add two guys. You get Juan Soto, one of the best, maybe the best young hitter in baseball. You get Tatis coming back soon. You yeah. get a power hitting first baseman. Um, who's been under the radar because nationals just aren't very good all together in San Diego, um, especially for what they gave up. I mean, obviously you're going to give up top prospects for Juan Soto, 
Right. But I didn't think it was anything where they were like, you know, anything absurd, to be honest with you. Like, it was a good deal. The Nationals got a good I'm getting Abrams and Robert Hassel. And um, yep. I believe Mackenzie Gore was in there too. Like, yep. mm-hmm. you know, you were going to give up guys, but for Juan Soto, I mean, that was, if you were going to do it for anyone, you're going to do it for Juan Soto. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's crazy to look at this deal because it's, I think regardless of who you got back, you know, what the return was, it, it is the most val, uh, the, the most talent that has ever been traded from either side. I mean, obviously, like you said, you look at what the Padres are getting, they are getting, you never want to say, you never want to guarantee something, but you're getting as guaranteed a future hall of famer as there has been in our sport in a really long time, probably since Mike Trout um, in Juan Soto, you're getting Josh Bell, who this year, 301, 14 homers, 57 RBIs, 877 OPS. I mean, he's been, every bit of uh, of what you would want from a first baseman on a contending team um so you got you're getting both of those guys who are going to be able to make an instant impact um for the san diego padres and obviously provide a clear upgrade over what they had at first base um but you know you look at it from the national side i think the return is, I mean, they got, like you said, getting Mackenzie Gore, who, you know, if everything continues and to go right and he stays healthy, he's, he's a guy that could project to be a top of the, uh, you know, top of the rotation starting pitcher. He's got great stuff. He's proved it already a little bit this year. Um, CJ Abrams hasn't turned it on at the big league level yet, but um, I mean, he's been really, really good um, in the minor leagues and he's been a top prospect ever since he was drafted. Hassel, obviously, like you mentioned, he's been great. Um, the pitching prospect that they got, um, I'm forgetting his last name. I know his first name, Yarlene. Um, he, he tops out at 102. He was the top uh, uh, pitching prospect out of the international draft. Uh, the other, I think it was last year. Um, and then the other kid that they got uh, was James Wood. I think, I believe it was James Wood. He um, at some scouts believe that he could be as good, if not better than Robert Hassel. So, I mean, the return is there, but it's just with prospects, you never know. And you're trading away a guy who you do know in Juan Soto. So with that being said, I mean, you know, it's going to take a few years to where we can, I guess, fairly assess this trade who knows maybe one of these guys turns into you know maybe a couple of them turn into all-stars but even so I mean you're you're always going to be the loser when you're trading Juan Soto but I think given the package that they got back it was about it was as fair I think as you could have possibly gotten yeah and I mean I think you know like you said there's the Nationals are they were this was good for them because they got a ton of prospects to build around and they're rebuilding add to their farm system san diego kind of you know they they got rid of main, their farm system basically with the, the trades um for soto and bell and then we'll get in the hater but um i mean it it's awesome because, i think because now if you're a san diego fan they are all in they're going for it they already had a good team now you know you're going to be playing in the wild card series but 
if you look at the things now, if they're going to be the five seed and they win that wildcard series against the Braves, it's looking like you have to go up against the Dodgers. So to make the World Series, you're going to have to beat the Dodgers. And by getting Soto and Bell, that just adds to your lineup, you know, incredibly. And they've had really good pitching all year. Yep. Now you get those two guys. I mean, I'm looking at their lineup tonight. You got – this is without so, or, uh, Tatis. You got Profar leading off. He's had a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Josh Bell, Cronenworth, a sneaky good acquisition of Brandon Jury. Yes. Um, yes. He's had a very good year. Sneaky good there. And then Alfaro, Grisham, and Kim. And Kim's going to be swap Kim for Tatis in hopefully a few weeks. Yep. And, I mean, you've got one of the best lineups in baseball. Yeah. With, with Will Myers on the bench and Austin Nola. Yep. Two guys who are very good hitters. Will Myers has been hurt. But if you got a guy like Kim off your bench or even platooning with Trent Grisham, I mean, yep. that is a top to bottom, one through nine, um, as good as you're going to get. And, you know, like I said, on the pitching side, they've already had, you know, they have a very good pitching staff as it is. Um, so now you're looking at them as, you know, they they legitimately now with these few trades have a chance to go up and beat the Dodgers. And yeah. if you're a Padres fan, that's all you can ask for. And that was going to be my that, – that was my question for you is, do you think that with the moves that they made – I like I like bringing up Drury because I think he's going to go under the radar a little bit too. I mean, he's had a fantastic year. I mean, when you look at National League third baseman, he's up there – um, you know, right below like an Arenado and a Machado in terms of the numbers that he's put up this year. Um, so when you look at all of the moves that they made, and let's not forget, um, when we're talking about the Padres, they acquired Josh Hader as well the day before. Um, so, I mean, and we'll talk about what that meant for the Brewers in a little bit. But uh, I mean, with all of those acquisitions that they made, do you think that they did enough to now be considered in that top tier of the national league with the Dodgers, Mets, and Braves. hundred percent. I think, I think this puts them right up there with a you know, great chance to win the world series. You know, the way the national league is looking, this it's going to be six good teams Yeah, and it's going to be a dog. Fight. I mean, it's going to be a dog fight just to get out of the wild card series. Um, but you know, the whole idea of it is that you want to make your team as good as possible and give yourself the best chance to make a run at it and just take your shot. And, you know, this trade does that. And not only does it do it for this year, but next year, um, you know, I think honestly, this is more of a, we're, you know, like, let's go for it. We've got a great team this year. And then if it doesn't work out, I mean, we're coming back next year with this team to begin the year. Yep. And let's make a run at winning the West, not having to worry about the wild card series. Um, but yeah, if I was, you know, if I was the Braves right now, I would be trying as hard as I can to win that division so I don't have to play San Diego in the first round because I would not want to have to face that team. You're absolutely right. It makes those those top two seeds um, just very that important, much, that much more important. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously that was the biggest, the biggest move um, that happened. Uh, during the trade deadline. Um, but I mean, there were a lot of other, a lot of other moves that were made as well. I want to ask, cause I, we talked about this a little bit before we want to stick with the contending teams. Cause obviously 
Um, you know, at this point of the season, we kind of know who, you know, that top tier of teams are in each, in each, uh, you know, in the American League and the National League, you've got your playoff hopefuls and, uh, you know, the rest of them kind of, you know, scurrying for those last couple of wild card spots. Um, but I'm going to mention their name because you said uh, we don't need to mention the Oakland Athletics. I just did it. Gotcha. So there we go. Um, all right. Let's talk. Um, I mean, so the Padres obviously did a lot. Let's talk about the team that uh, that they're chasing um, right now uh, in the division. I think we can both agree they're not going to win the division. They're about, what, 10, 11 games back. Um, I yeah. think at this point we can agree they're not going to win the division. Um, I, I mean, you never know, but the Dodgers are, are, are very, very good. Um, what do you think about what the Dodgers did at the deadline? Because they, I mean, they didn't do much. They got a few bullpen pieces. They brought in Joey Gallo. So now you've got, I mean, two just all or nothing guys in your lineup with Bellinger and Gallo. Whether Gallo starts or not is one thing. But anyways, what do you think about, uh, are you worried that the Dodgers didn't do a whole lot at the deadline or were you not really worried about them to begin with? I see. I'm not worried about them just because they're the Dodgers. And I mean, I can't, it seems like they just never lose. Um, you know, they're the best team in the national league. The, the Joey Gal thing kind of was interesting to me at least because I mean, he was awful with New York and, you know, He's always been a big strikeout guy, never a big average guy. Um, so I'm interested to see, like, how he fits in with them. Um, but honestly, I mean, they're just – they're so good. I thought, you know, fixing up the bullpen a little bit would be a big thing for them. But, you know, their rotation, it's set. It's loaded. Um, their lineup is absolutely stacked. And, you know, when you're that good – Unless you, you know, I, the only move that I really thought they might try and make was getting Luis Castillo, but yeah, you know, they're getting Bueller back soon. They got yeah. Urias and Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson's pitching like a all star. Like, I mean, it's yeah. insane what they do with pitchers, but um, yeah, Kershaw's been yeah. great this year. Yeah, so, I mean, Kershaw's been, you know, people sleep on Kershaw, man. They they think just because he's older, he's not as good as he used to be. He's yeah. still one of the best guys in the game. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, it's one of those things where they're so ridiculously talented yep. that they're still the favorites, um, in my opinion. And, you know, it, they're not going to – they're going to be the favorites until somebody beats them yeah. um, again, which, you know, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't like – I didn't take their trade deadline as like, ooh, they, they needed somebody and they didn't go get someone. I think they were just – they realized they're already loaded and there's no real reason to – go do something if you don't feel like you need to so yeah they're, they're in a good you know they're, they're in a good place they're going to be the number one overall seed in the national league most likely unless the Mets get scorching hot and the Dodgers collapse but you know what more can you really ask for yes so it, it's a very good point it's a very good point and I think um you know I, I wonder you know because you mentioned them I think the the Mets had a very interesting trade deadline to say the least i and and as a mets fan i have my own thoughts um but what is your what is your opinion about the way that they went about um about their trade deadline um honestly i wasn't really too thrilled with it um yeah. getting vogel back like 
I mean, he's he's a decent power hitter, not a big average guy, not going to make a huge difference. Um, Tyler Naquin's had a good year. I think that's a you know, that's a solid acquisition. Um, but you know they got Michael Givens um, out of the pen. I know he had a really rough one today, oh, but yeah, um, he's he's a good pitcher. He'll be fine. I think you know. I can't say it was bad because they're already having a really good year and they're a very good team. So they didn't need necessarily to go get someone. But I think, you know, I would have liked to see more than just Daniel Vogel back and Tyler Naquin and guys like that. Like, I think, you know, if you're the Mets and you're really all in, one more bat that was a big time bat would have been really nice to see. I, you know what? I, I agree. I, I think. Here I'll give my so I don't know. I was I went through like a whole range of emotions kind of during that those couple of hours because we had already before the deadline, we had already gotten Naquin and Vogelbach. Um so I was kind of like, okay, this is a good foundation. And and up until that point the Mets were undefeated in games that Daniel Vogelbach appeared in. So I was loving the mojo he was bringing. He's got a fantastic eye at the plate and he crushes right-handed pitching. So that was what we wanted um, because Dom Smith couldn't do that all year. So we knew that we were bringing Vogelbach into to platoon up until the trade deadline with JD Davis. Um, so obviously you go into that day needing another either another bat like a like a JD Martinez that was available or Wilson Contreras to upgrade the catching position um but instead the Mets got Darren Ruff to kind of I mean Darren Ruff crushes left-handed pitching so he's going to do what you need him to do um and it, what it's looking like is a platoon of Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelbach which is a huge upgrade from Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. So you are, yes, you're making the team better. Going out and getting Tyler Naquin, he's essentially replacing Travis Jankowski, who was our fourth outfielder and basically was just being used to pinch run because he he hadn't had a hit since May. So, you know, as good of a story as he was early in the year, he wasn't adding a whole lot to, to the club. Tyler Naquin is a guy who's having a solid year and is, a, as in terms of a fourth outfielder, is a very good fourth outfielder. Um, the biggest need for the Mets going into the trade deadline, in, in my eyes, was a left-handed bullpen pitcher. We needed a lefty, a guy who could consistently get out left-handed hitters because we didn't have one of those. Joely Rodriguez went through a stretch where he was pretty good, and then at best, since then, he's been inconsistent. Um, Chase and Shreve, obviously, he's been gone for a while. So we haven't had a left-hander in our bullpen to go to, like an Aaron Loop, like we had last year, where we didn't have that specialist where we could go to to get that left hand out when we really needed it, because you can't pitch Diaz whenever you want. So that was the biggest need. And I think them not getting a left-handed reliever when there was a plethora of left-handed pitching available struck me as a little odd. And I think what you mentioned, um, like the, um, the, what do you call it? Um, the kind of going for it mentality. 
I agree with that because I, I really think that, and I know Billy Epler talked yesterday and he said that, yeah, I don't want to, um, I really don't want to spend, uh, you know, prospect capital on a left-hander that is going to be a rental, but like, you don't know that the Mets are going to be this good and in this position that they're in, you know, every single year. I mean, look at what happened with the Giants last year. This was a team that won 107 games. And this year they're deciding whether or not they're going to buy or sell. They were kind of in the middle, but um, I mean, look at the nationals three years ago, they won the world series. Now they're a double a team pretty much. So, I mean, things can happen very quickly, especially with, you know, Jacob DeGrom is going to opt out of his contract. Chris Bassett is going to be a free agent. Taiwan Walker is going to be a free agent. I mean, that's a lot of there, you know, I assume with Steve Cohen's wallet, hopefully we retain one or two of those guys and, you know, go get another uh, piece. But I mean, it was very confusing because if ever there is a year to spend a prospect on a piece that you desperately need to make your team that much more complete, this is the year to do it. And that was why this trade deadline was so puzzling for me. Obviously, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're good enough. But I think in terms of just being a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more relaxed, I think that adding that left-handed reliever would have really would have helped a lot of Mets fans. So, you know, did they get better at the trade deadline? Yes. But did they, I don't know, did they seemingly go for it like a lot of other clubs in the that were in the same you know sort of position that the Mets were in did they go for it like they did no they didn't and that was that was what was kind of disappointing as a Mets fan I guess yeah well yeah and I mean they've got a huge five game set with the Braves starting tomorrow yep. so um I'm not sure where which field that's at uh which stadium it's at home it's at City, it's at City field. field yeah nice. that place we rocking um yeah. yeah no you don't see a lot of those five game sets but um yeah, yeah that's that's a huge, a huge one. I think the Mets are up four games right now. So, yep. um, you know, you gotta, you gotta go in there and win two or three of those games. But um, yeah, that's that's a big one. That you know, that's a series where you go four and one, or even, I mean, going winning all five would be nearly impossible. But yeah. you go three and two, four and one, you create a little more separation. Um, you know, we're starting to get towards, we're already in August, so you know, you're starting to get towards the you know, part of the season where you get a five or six game lead, it becomes really difficult to come back from that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think the Mets are in a good spot. Like you said, they upgraded, um, hitting wise. Um, so, you know, they're a good team. They're in a good spot. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we kind of brushed over, we didn't even mention it. I mean, they got Jacob DeGrom back and he looked fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, you know, if he's not a trade, but that's one of the best acquisitions, you know, that you can have, like getting that guy back. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you're getting you're getting Degrom back. Trevor May is going to be coming back to that bullpen. Tyler McGill should be coming back, and they're saying that they're going to transition him to the bullpen as well. Um, which obviously, if all of those things work out, that's fantastic, and the Mets are in a great spot. But it's just you want to have that security of you know not having to rely on those possibilities because there is the possibility that Degrom, heaven forbid, something happens to him again. And then you've got to thrust David Peterson back into the starting rotation. And then there goes your lefty that you wanted to put in the bullpen, yeah. something like that. You know, you just, I feel like the position that they're in, you can never have, I mean, we talk about it all the time, depth, depth, depth. It's hard to say that word three times in a row, but like 
it, I mean, you can never have enough, especially pitching. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that goes, but, um, let's stick in the NL East. Um, we were talking about the Braves a little bit. Tell me about your thoughts about the, what the Braves did. Um, they had an interesting little swap, um, which I actually really liked what they did with Houston. Um, getting Jake Odorizzi and sending Will Smith to Houston. It was kind of like both teams had a need and both teams had an expense, you know, in each category and were able to, to work out a deal to help each other there. Um, so I liked what they did there. Um, and then the Braves also got Robbie Grossman from the Tigers, as well as um, added Rossell Iglesias right before the deadline. Um, what do you think about the Braves? Um, sort of, I mean, not underwhelming, but they got they got be- they got better as well. Yeah, no, I, I really like the Jake Odorizzi trade. To be honest with you, um, he's a very under the radar type uh, swing pitcher, yeah. um, which the Braves, you know, obviously could use. Um, mm-hmm. Now you know they got freed. Um, Kyle Wright has had a monster season. Um, yep. Ian Anderson's still in there. Charlie Morton's been pitching a lot better. Spencer Strider, mm-hmm. an absolute stud. Um, so it's just, you know, another guy to give you depth in the starting rotation, another quality arm. And then, um, you know, I really like Robbie Grossman. I mean, he's a – I don't think you can look at his stats at face value just because he was in Detroit, um, yeah. not a very hitter-friendly ballpark, and they're terrible. Um, but last <laughs> year, um, no offense to the Tigers, but, I mean, I think everyone knows that they suck. Yeah. Um, especially at scoring runs, one of the worst teams ever. Anyway, not to just completely um, tear them down. But last year, Grossman, you know, 23 homers, 20 stolen bases. Dude gets on base. He had a 2020 year last year? Yeah. What? Yeah. I never would have guessed that. Right? It's only wow. it's all Detroit's fault. All Detroit's fault. Damn. Anyway, um, God, I hate Detroit. Anyway, um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, two good acquisitions. Uh, and I'm not saying I hate Detroit because they always beat the Guardians. And uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, I was anyway, say. Um, you know, whatever, we'll move past them. They're irrelevant <laughs> anyway. So um, yeah, I mean, for real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's too good. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Two good, two good moves to Braves, like both yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, the Braves seem to have. I mean, obviously, like you saw, they seem to have some magic with just getting kind of under the radar outfielders. I don't think anybody had Robbie Grossman on their on their trade deadline bingo card necessarily. But I didn't, I, I'm still my mind is blown that he had a 2020 season last year. I cannot believe that. Um, that's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Braves quietly they I think. Um, be, me being uh, wrapped up in Mets world, seeing all that. Uh, I bet I wonder if the Braves were kind of like in a in a similar position where they might have been underwhelmed at you know what they did at the trade deadline, but they quietly they got better as well, um, and they didn't spend a whole lot to do that. Um, what they did spend on, which we you know we can touch on briefly, was I mean they they gave Austin Riley the bag. Um, yeah, very. I mean, when you look at what Riley has done and how young he is, I mean, locking him up for the next ten years only get I mean only, but two for. $212 million for 10 years. I mean, that's a great, I mean, they have got him, Acuna and Albies locked up for a while on very, yeah. very team friendly deals. Well, so that, 
so I saw a video actually before hopping on here, um, just about how good their organization is in terms of the contracts that they've given out. They have Olsen, Albies, Cunha, and Riley for about 30 years of contracts. Yeah. For I think it was $515 million. Insane. Which is, I mean, that is absolutely unreal. Um, just to have the quality of players. What that basically means is that when they see these ta- like when they see the talents there, they don't wait to give them yeah. the contracts later on. They yeah. Go right ahead and go for it. Um, the Austin Riley, I love that. That dude is, you know, there's never going to be another Chipper Jones, but right. he is that caliber of player. Wow. Um, yeah. He's done it now back to back years. Uh, the the month of July he had was, I feel like no one really talked about it. How good the dude hit like 430 in a single yeah. month in the big yeah. league, which I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He's a good third baseman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I, I don't think, you know, the the 212 or 15, I don't know exactly how much um, million dollars it was. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, it's a lot of money. But for as good a player as he is, you know, if you waited, if you didn't give it to him today, you know, this year, if you waited a few years, I bet you he would have gotten more. So, oh, um, yeah, you know, it's a yeah. good deal. I think you're right. And, you know, there seems to be something Atlanta has seems to have turned into almost like a Houston type team where, you know, they're, they're a windowless house where like, there is no, it seems like they're going to be in contention, um, you know, as long as, as long as they're a franchise and, and a big reason for that is, you know, the type of talent that they have locked up and secured for the long term. So that was great and good for them. Another team uh, sticking with the trade deadlines, Another team that, you know, made some noise at the trade deadline and made a little bit noise than I think a little bit more noise than I think even um, even I expected uh, with Philadelphia Phillies. Um, They got David Robertson from the Cubs. They got Brandon Marsh from the Angels, and they also got Noah Syndergaard from the Angels. Um, What do we think about the about the Phillies moves? Because I at right off the bat for me it looked like a, like very much a desperation type move for the Phillies who, um, you know, they, they are in a position where they're, they're in a wild card spot right now. Um, they're battling right now with, with St. Louis. Um, but St. Louis is also kind of neck and neck with Milwaukee for the, for the division title. So it's looking like, I mean, unless San Francisco gets hot, I think we can kind of count the rest of the national league out. I don't see Miami being a threat at all, uh, especially with the bullpen arms that they dealt away. Um, I think we can kind of say that it, you know, depending on what San Francisco does, it's going to be Philly, St. Louis and Philly and either St. Louis or Milwaukee, whoever is leading the division or whatnot. Um, So I liked the moves from the Phillies. They just seemed a little bit, uh, it seemed a little bit of a, like a desperate, they didn't give up a whole lot to get these pieces, which was good. Um, but I don't know it, you know, with Bryce Harper coming back, that's going to be a huge factor for them. But I think that these moves, while, like I said, they look like a little bit of a desperation swing for me, it's going to make it, you know, it's going to make them a much more competitive ball club, especially as they, you know, gear up for an October race where, um, you know, where they might be, you know, if you've got Harper and um, and uh, Schwarber in your lineup there, 
um, with the way that Bohm's been hitting too, you know, you wouldn't want to run into them uh, in a, in a three game series. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, I like the moves they made. I think Morris was a good one just to give them some outfield defense and just somebody that's a little bit better than what they had um, fill in the hole until Harper gets back. Um, but in terms of like Syndergaard, he's still a very, you know, he's a quality starting pitcher, especially as a four or five or three, yeah. just to give him some more depth back there. I like that move. Um, I love David Robertson. They really needed the closer to just come in and be the main guy. Um, their, their bullpen has been a lot better under Thompson instead of Girardi, but it's still a weak link. And I think if, you know, the Phillies, obviously they're not catching the Mets, the Braves, um, and they're going to be battling it out for the, for a wild card spot. But to do that, you're going to have to beat um, the Mets and the Braves at some point this season. Uh, Mm -hmm. They play the Mets and, you know, they play them uh, next weekend and they play them the weekend after that. Um, They got seven games against them. Those two series, they play the Braves one more time for four game set in September. Um, So you're going to have to, you have to have a, you know, a good enough team to go in there and, and be competitive in those games to make the playoffs. Um, so I like the moves. They got better. They're playing better baseball. They just yeah. um, played well in, against Atlanta. Um, you know, I think it sets them up well. If you're a Phillies fan or you, you know, you work for Phillies, like you have to, this is the, this team has to make the playoffs. Yes. There's just no yes. way around it. There's, they have to be in the playoffs. There's no exceptions not being in the playoffs, you know, with the money that they put into this team and the drought that they've had. Yeah. So I think the moves were, you know, a good um, way to to boost the team. Um, but, you know, it, you're not like like the Cardinals. You can say, well, if we don't get the wild card, we're only two back in Milwaukee. The Phillies, you're looking at one spot. Yep. And you're going to have to either be better than the Brewers or the Cardinals. Whoever doesn't win that division, you're going to have to be better than them to make the playoffs. Um, and there's there's no excuses. So even with Bryce Harper being out, there's no excuses for that team. Um, so I think with the mindset of that, you know, going out and getting Syndergaard and especially Robertson, I think those are two good moves for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's putting them in a good spot to compete for that um, that third wild card spot. I mean, unless they unless they can somehow catch San Diego, which now I don't really see that happening. Um, Sticking in the NL, uh, the last team that we'll talk about is, well, I guess, you know, I mentioned this team um, earlier, um, the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I think, and we can, uh, I'll spoil it now, but we can give our, you know, most disappointing trade deadline teams or whatnot. For me, the Milwaukee Brewers were the, the most disappointing team at the deadline. The only move that they made was trading away Josh Hader. Um, and I know they got uh, Taylor Rogers back, who, who's a solid bullpen arm. He's not Josh Hader. And I know Josh Hader's had some hiccups this year, but he's still um, in the sample size that Josh Hader has been um, a in the major leagues. He has been the most dominant reliever in the history of baseball in that sample size. So you're trading him away. Um, you saw the, I don't know if you got a chance to see the reaction from Devin Williams when they traded him away, but he was not, I mean, you could tell he was just shocked. He was upset. Um, and um, I think that when you're a team that is in the position that they're in, 
one bat would have made such a massive difference for this team. And I am just shocked that they didn't, they didn't do that because when you mentioned the Phillies, like they need to get into the playoffs, the Brewers have been in the playoffs for a few years in a row. Now, now they need to take that next step because that's the thing that they haven't been able to do. And what they did at this trade deadline absolutely did not put them in the in the right position to be able to do that yeah I was stunned um I read a you know article for the Brewers that just you know Yelich and Williams and uh, Brandon Woodruff was playing golf and like he thought it was a joke like he thought it was a fake tweet um you know they added Matt Bush and Trevor Rosenthal um, and like you said they got Rogers um Interestingly enough, they DFA'd Lamette because they didn't have enough roster yeah. space for him. Very interesting. That, I mean, that really – that was like, you know, I don't really know what you're doing there. Yeah. He's a very good pitcher. Um, but, you know, like you said, like, there's a, there's a quote by Woodruff where he basically just went into saying, like, we're a first-place team and the goal is to win the World Series. Yep. We were all surprised, um, but we know there's decisions that the front office has to be made that – we may not understand, but our job is just go out there and play and yep. try and win games, even if we don't understand the decision. So basically what I took away from it was that they were, their clubhouse was kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't have, like, it, it seemed like one of those moves where it could be a, a real breaker of the team where it's like, we're in first place, we're doing well, why are we trading our all-star yep. closer? Yeah. And why are we not getting guys? It's it doesn't it doesn't really you it doesn't know, inspire a lot sense. of confidence. And no, it, it really yeah. does. Especially, I mean, this team this team made the they won the division last year. They lost to the world champs in the Braves. Um, they're they're you know they're we don't talk about them a ton in terms of winning the National League because, I mean, if if the playoffs started today, I would put them as like the fifth or sixth best team in terms of chances to win the National League. But with that said, you know, they've got Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. Yep. They've got, you know, a pretty solid lineup. Yep. Um, and when you make the playoffs, anything can happen. So I think, you know, we were all – everyone was just kind of surprised by it because – you want to give your team the best chance to win in playoffs and trading your all-star closer just doesn't really, you know, it's hard to make sense of that one. Yeah. These are some of those moves you talk about, you know, I like what you mentioned is, I mean, the overall vibe in that, in that clubhouse was clearly, um, you know, it's, it's uh, being surprised and shocked at that move. Um, and I think that when you look at that from a team that's, you know, in first place, yes, they're in first place, but, but I mean, it's very much neck and neck with the Cardinals. And then, you know, with whatever happens, you're going to be fighting. If you don't win the division, you're going to be fighting for that wild card spot, which you don't want to do. Um, and I think, you know, we mentioned the Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves. Now probably you're putting the Padres close to that conversation with the moves that they made um, in terms of that top echelon of the national league. We're not even mentioning Milwaukee in the same breath as that and they're leading their division right now but they are so i know that they have a three-headed monster in their in their rotation but other than that i mean you had that you had peralta woodruff and burns and then you had hater and williams in the back end of your bullpen that was what excited you about this team and you just put took a major piece away from that i know peralta's coming back but 
you know, it's a lot to ask for him to be the all-star starter that he was a year ago um, right away. So I got to think that at least right now, it's a little bit of a gut punch to the guys in the locker room where it's like, fuck, the front office doesn't, I mean, it, it shows that they don't, you know, whether they're trying to do, I'm sure David Stearns isn't trying to do that, but you know, it's got to subconsciously, it's like, well, they don't really believe in us that much. They must not believe in us to win a world series this year. And eventually I think that, you know, these are all professionals. These are really good baseball players. They're going to rally around the guys that they do have in the clubhouse uh, and eventually, you know, do their best to do what they need to do. But I don't know. That's kind of the vibe that I got from it. It was. uh, Yeah. Well, and you know, I think also like you look at the team that's chasing them and the Cardinals and like they went out and they got Jose Quintana, a good left-handed starter um, to fill in for Steven Matz. Like, they were at least making efforts to improve their ball club. Yeah. And I think if you're Milwaukee, you're sitting there, you're like, you know, we're only two games up on these guys. Mm-hmm. We know how good they are. We also know how good everybody else in National League is. Why is our front office not, you know, making moves that are like showing instilling confidence? Because, you know, you look at the Dodgers, the, Met, the Dodgers didn't have to make any moves. They're already good. Yeah. The Mets made some moves. The yep. Braves made moves. Yep. The Phillies made moves. Yep. Cardinals. The Padres made huge moves. Yep. So if you're the Brewers, you're kind of like, you know, what are we are we trying? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Right. Just, um, you know, you just took our, you know, our identity as pitching. Yeah. We, we shoved. Yeah. And you just took a huge part of what we do yeah. and shipped them to a team that's already loaded. The team yeah. that we might have to play in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah. very confusing, very confusing for sure. We talked about the National League a lot. Let's move on to the American League right now. Um, we'll start first with the team at the top of the American League, uh, the New York Yankees. I think you and I have said this uh, for as long as we've been doing this podcast. Um, you know, when the Yankees signed Garrett Cole, that was a huge piece for them. But I think every year it was clear, you know, every year that the Yankees have made the playoffs, it's been clear every year. The one thing that they need, another starting pitcher, another ace type pitcher. And they finally got that. They had a big deadline. They shirt up their their outfield. They shirt up their lineup as well. Um, Basically, you know, that was their, you know, their kind of substitution for Joey Gallo um, was getting Andrew Benintendi. Um, They got Lou Trevino and Frankie Montas from the A's. Um, who else? I'm, am I forgetting another trade? They made another, Oh, Scott, uh, F Ross from the, uh, the Chicago Cubs yeah. to get that bullpen. Um, and then a, a bit of an interesting trade, which we can get to trading Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. So what's right. your yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. A very interesting. Yeah. So overall reaction to the yeah. Yankees deadline. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ben attendee, a, a left-handed hitter, um, who gets on base, very good hitter. Um, love that. Huge upgrade from Joey Gallo. Harrison Bader, love that trade. He's better than Aaron Hicks. Um, okay. Tremendous defensively. Allows Judge to not have to play center field yeah. and potentially get hurt. Um, so that's very good. Plus, he's you know he's not just a defense guy. He's a solid hitter. Um, yeah. You know, fast guy. He's from New York, from the Bronx, so that's awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um Bullpen, you know, I, I like Efros. Um, Trevino, don't look at his numbers. Um, yep. Oakland defensively was awful. Yep. Um, 
they they sucked, especially when he pitched. Um, his the difference between his FIP, um, which is just your fielding independent pitching, for all you people out there listening that don't know that, mm-hmm. um, three eight three, which is basically what his ERA is without defense. Yeah, uh, his real ERA six four seven. So huge difference there. Um, his batting player, average on balls in play was way inflated too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oakland, you suck basically. <laughs> um, and then getting Frankie Montas, that was, I mean, that's a huge deal because for years, the Yankees at the deadline, it's been like, we need to get pitching yep. and they don't get pitching. Yep. So now you have Cole and you have a guy to go out there and back him up. And you did that without giving up your, your future, your Volpe, yeah. your Peraza, your main guys that you didn't want to give up. So, you know, I think Yankees fans would much rather take Montas and still have those guys in the farm system than get Castillo and have to get rid of those guys. Yeah. Um, Definitely a big move because, you know, Cortez and Tyone, um, Montgomery, like those guys, Severino, when he gets back, like those guys are good. You no, know, they pitch really well. Um, but when it comes to the playoffs, you want someone who's, you know, electric stuff, yeah. um, going to go out there and punch people out. Yeah. That's what Frankie Montas does. Um, so now you have Cole, Montas, and Severino, hopefully, with yeah. like Cortez as the number four. Huge. That's a that's a legit rotation. You can go win a World Series with that. Yeah, I mean, massive. I I think that it, it it's a fantastic trade, and I think right off the bat to address the, uh, the the Montgomery for Bader trade, when that happened, I was shocked because I feel like you never want to go into a postseason uh, push. I mean, obviously the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. That's not a not even a question. But you never want to go into a uh, into the playoffs with you know trading starting pitching depth. But I think when you look at it, um, Jack Curry from the Yes Network kind of put it into perspective. And he talked about, um, you know, Harrison Bader, you know, when you look at the playoffs and especially with them getting Montas, when you have um, Cole Montas, uh, Tyone, whatever Severino is able to do and Cortez, there's not going to be a lot of starts available in a playoff series for someone like Jordan Montgomery. And the Yankees are are in a good enough position in their bullpen where he doesn't really fit into that mix either. They have enough lefties and better lefties in their bullpen. So getting Harrison Bader is somebody that, like you said, he's going to play really, really good defense in center field. If he hits, he hits, but you can throw him out there in the eighth eighth inning and he's going to run down every single ball out there. And and he's going to be a huge addition. I love the addition of Andrew Benintendi. I think it makes their lineup that much more balanced getting a guy who's you know, who's hit only three home runs this year, big contact guy. Obviously he's got a 300 batting average. He's been fantastic, close to it. Um, And a guy who's going to get on base. Uh, uh, And when you're looking at him as Joey Gallo's replacement, practically um, it doesn't take a lot to upgrade there, but he's a fantastic upgrade and an all-star caliber player that they got. Um, So the Yankees, I think in terms of their deadline, when you talk about winners at the trade deadline, um, I really think that Brian Cashman put the Yankees in honestly like one of the best positions that they've been in in a while to win a World Series. So um, I don't whether you uh, do you agree. I mean, I think that this is hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, this Yankees team is legit now with those additions that they made. They addressed pretty much every single, maybe one more bullpen arm, but they addressed every single thing that they that was on their list of needs. So. Um, really impressive going down the line here Houston made a few moves like very like kind of under the radar but very very impactful moves we talk about um, going down the list kind of came out of nowhere Trey Mancini grabbing him from the Orioles 
um, getting Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox. Um, and then obviously we talked about that flip-flop that they did with the Braves uh, grabbing Will Smith. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I After the Yankees deadline, I might be able to change my mind going into it. I was like Houston. I mean, after what they did to the Yankees and the Mets, I was like, this is the best team in baseball. Um, yeah. What do you think about, do you think that they, where do you think they stand now? And and what do you think about the moves that they made? Um, I think they're tremendous upgrade catching with um, Vasquez. Very good catching hitter. Yeah. Um, very good defensively too. Mancini, um, really good um, power bat. If you, they actually, uh, showed on MLB Network a few nights ago what his numbers would have been if he played in uh, Minute Maid instead of Camden. Oh. Would have had like 22 homers already, wow. Um, wow. which I think he has like 10. Yeah, and, oh, and wow. he hit one today. He hit one today, so he's already doing good things for them. Will Smith, wow. proven guy at the back end of the bullpen. Yep. Um, always, you can never have enough good bullpen guys. Um, in my opinion, the World Series, or at least um, the American League for sure runs through Houston. Yeah, I think okay. the clear favorites in my eyes to win the World Series. Wow, and okay. they are they are the team to beat just because of how consistent they've been in terms of making the playoffs and getting deep into the playoffs. And obviously, they've only won one World Series, but to be there time after time, and just like what they've done to the Yankees this year. And what they've done to a lot of the really good teams, um, I think it just, you know, it shows me at least that they're the team to beat. Yeah. They're a weird team, though. Like, they'll go and they'll smack up on the Yankees and the Mets, and then they'll go get swept by Oakland. And you're like, <laughs> how does that make sense, you know? Yeah, but I know. I think you look at it more as, like, they when it's when it's time to play and the big boys are playing, like, they're, they're still the top dogs. You're damn right. Yeah. And we've said we didn't want to mention Oakland. We've mentioned them like three times now in this podcast. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. The team that I really want to give some props to um, is the Minnesota Twins. I absolutely love the additions that they made going out, getting Taylor Malley. Uh, there's a Tyler Malley, Tyler Malley from the, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, um, getting Jorge Lopez to sure up the bullpen um, to name a few. I, they made another move, I believe. Um, and it's, um, it's slipping my mind. Uh, I believe they got another, oh, Michael Fulmer. That was their other, um, very un Minnesota twins, like the moves that they made. And I, and I love it because it's them in Cleveland right now. Um, and you know, just to mention quick, cause I don't even want to talk about them because they piss me off to no extent. Um, clearly the Chicago white Sox have either given up or they, or something is going on where they, they know they're better. Who knows? I don't know what the hell's going on in Chicago. I know that Jake Dykeman, but whatever. Um, I love what Minnesota did because they see an opening and they, they took it. I mean, this is a team you've got Carlos Correa for this year. He's probably going to opt out after it. Um, So take advantage of that. Go try and make a run. I still don't think they're anywhere close to Houston or the Yankees, but if you got a chance to win this division, why the hell not? You know? 100%. 100%. And I think they could have won the division without making the moves they made. Sure. But to end the drought of losing games in the playoffs and actually win a series, to get Tyler Malley to go along with Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan, yeah. that gives you at least three dudes that you have legitimate starting pitchers to go out yeah. there in a playoff series. Um, they also got 
Aaron Sanchez, who I know hasn't been mm-hmm. the you know Blue Jays guy that we saw you know three or four years ago, but he threw the ball really well in his first start for them. Um, if he could get back to being you know what he was in Toronto back in 2018-19 ish, yep. that would be a huge win. Uh, Michael Fulmer to sure up that bullpen. Yeah, you know, going into the you know assuming that they make the playoffs, they're not going to be a favorite. But mm-hmm. like you said, when you've got Byron Buxton and Correa and Polanco and a pretty, you know, solid group of players, now that you've added Tyler Malley, it gives them at least a, a chance. Like you yeah. can at least oh, go yeah. play in the playoffs and say, all right, we're going, you know, Ryan, Gray, Malley, or however you want to line yeah. it up. It's like, all right, you're not going Dylan Bundy or Chris yeah. Archer. Yeah. You know, you're not doing an opener like where you're just like all right like it's the playoffs what are we doing yeah um so, you know, like you said i love it i love the moves you know you got Korea for probably just this year yeah you know the division the AL central sucks it is what it is it's bad. um yeah you know, if the white Sox don't want to show up this year you know take advantage of it go for it yeah yeah absolutely and then you know you talk about the white Sox. i know cleveland has had a great year so far in terms of what people expected um a little disappointing. I mean, this is your team. Was it disappointing to see the Guardians, you know, not go out and make a move? Or did, was this kind of what you were expecting? I mean, I, I don't know if I was expecting a whole lot from them. I think they were kind yeah. of exceeding expectations to begin with. So, yeah, I think they were actually playing so well that they didn't end up trading like a Med Rosario. I know he was one of the main guys they were going to trade, maybe even Beads. But I would have liked to see him go get a catcher because they're the worst in terms of uh, offense from catchers. Yeah, but I'm I'm okay with it. They kept Ahmed Rosario. He is one of the leaders of the clubhouse. He's one of their best players. Um, you know, he's he's one of the best hitters in baseball. People, yeah. you know, kind of sleep on him. They've got Andres Jimenez, Stephen Kwan, obviously Jose Ramirez is a dog. Um, the only thing keeping this team from making the playoffs is finding consistent starting pitching from guys that are not named Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. Probably not, but I like this group of young players. I think they're, you know, playing hard and they're, you know, they're right. They're one game back the wild card, two of the division, or I think it's one of the division now. Yep. Go take your chance, man. You know, let's, they got nothing to lose. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. But you make a good point with the, uh, with the guardians, you kind of have that, that little window that was kind of, I was a little bit disappointed with the Orioles giving up Trey Mancini. It's a very different, position than you know some of the other teams but um I, I don't know what was because you know you got a guy like Trey Mancini who wanted to be there in Baltimore when the team was good and obviously they're, they're playing great baseball this year but they made it clear you know that I don't think their window is right now I think they just got hot at the right time um so I don't know I mean I I know that for an Orioles fan that probably that probably stings and as a baseball fan it sucks to see you know Trey Mancini you know, because I, I don't think there's a single baseball fan who can have a single bad thing to say about Trey Mancini, but um, sucks to see him in a different uniform, but I mean, it'll be nice to see him make a, uh, be able to play in the playoffs and see what he could do there. Um, but uh, I mean, what do you think? I, I think, I don't know if the, this wasn't their window, the Orioles, I think it was a really nice story. Um, but I think for what it, what it was, I think it ended up, you know, this was what, I, I think long-term for the franchise, it, it was the right move. I think maybe I would feel differently if I was an Orioles fan. I know Mancini is an amazing clubhouse guy too. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it was a good move for the long term. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still playing good baseball. They just, I think, swept Texas. Uh, but you're right. I mean, this isn't – this this year has been great for them. It's awesome to get the fan base excited again and show that, you know, the, the long years are over. But I think if, you know, long term, it'll be beneficial for them. Um, and, you know, like you said, like they're one of these teams where, like, you, you see it occasionally, like, you trade away one of your best hitters, you trade away your closer, and everyone's just like, all right, the Orioles are done, you know, whatever. And then it's still a young group of guys. They're still talented. Yeah. You know, they're still in it. Um, you know, maybe they can push in and get a wild card spot. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see Baltimore in there. But I think they made the right move by, you know, focusing on the team's long-term, yep. you know, plan and sticking with that because, you know, this isn't the year to really go all in. Agreed. Agreed. I Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Speaking of a team that might, uh, you know, teams that are all in, um, I think it's interesting because the Blue Jays had such a complete team coming up, coming into the year, but they clearly, they really underperformed. Um, at this point, Toronto is not going to, um, they're not going to compete for the division. So, but they currently hold that first wild card spot. I think that they're going to get hot. And I think that the moves that they made was exactly what they needed to make. Their rotation is stacked. Their rotation stacked. Um, but I think making the move to get um, Zach Pop and Anthony Bass from the Marlins to shore up that bullpen a little bit, um, as well as grabbing um, Whit Merrifield from the Royals, um, I mean, that one kind of came in at the last second that I, I was not expecting that at all. Um, but I love it. The guy who could play the uh, play second base can play some outfield for you. Um, hopefully he will be legally allowed to enter Canada soon. I know he wasn't the first time the Royals went up there, um, but I have to imagine that he's going to get vaccinated and, uh, <laughs> to be able to actually play for the team that he, uh, he got traded to. Um, what do you think? Do you think the uh, you think Toronto did enough to be able to stack up with, you know, a Houston or a, a New York Yankees team, or even you know, say they have to play them uh, a Seattle team in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I I like the additions getting the bullpen better, and then Whitmer Fields have been one of the best hitters in baseball um, past years. I know this year's a bit down, but. He's a guy that you, know, you can play him at second base. You can play him in the outfield, a professional hitter. Um, I love that move. I mean, their lineup is just absolutely ridiculous now. You know, obviously they've got Kirk and Vladdy and Boba Shett and Matt Chapman's been raking lately and Guriel and Springer and Hernandez. Now you add in Whit Merrifield, the guy that, you know, gets on base at the top of the lineup. It's, it's becoming a, a lineup top to bottom where, you know, it, it might be the best in the American League, top yeah. to bottom. And, uh, you know, without a doubt, going into the playoffs, when you've got to face that type of lineup, like, your pitcher, good luck, you know, getting through five or six against those guys because yeah. that's you – know, there's no easy outs in that lineup. Even Danny Jansen in the nine hole as a catcher is – he's got some pop and he's not, you know, a guaranteed out. No, you're, you're, you're right. And uh, unfortunately, Danny Jansen, I think I just said he went on the injured list. He might have to miss some time, but they got all-star Alejandro Kirk back there too. So um, we'll see what they can do there um, real quick. Let's touch on, uh, let's touch on the Seattle Mariners and what they were able to do. Um, 
Do you think they did enough? Because I love the move. I don't know if it puts them as a World Series contender necessarily, but I think having um, uh, Logan Gilbert, having um, Robbie Ray, and then uh, now adding Luis Castillo, who's you know a Cy Young caliber pitcher, um, and then you got Marco Gonzalez as your number four. I mean, that stacks them up with anybody in the AL for me. Yeah, no doubt. I think getting Luis Castillo is huge. He shoved today against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big, big game pitcher, without a doubt. You go into yeah. a playoff series, the wild card series with Castillo and Gilbert, and then you can you can pick between, you know, Ray or Gonzalez or even Chris Flexen or George Kirby. Sure. Like, yeah. there's some dudes there. Um, I also think another um, – yeah, the, the key to their success is, one, Julio Rodriguez's health. He's um, out right now, but when he's he when he's in lineup, that team is just completely yep. different. Also, um, they just got Kyle Lewis back. He's really struggled since he came back, but, I mean, the dude's been out for so long, you know, expect him to just come back and light the world on fire. But hopefully yeah. he can get it, you know, back in the swing of things by the playoffs because he's an absolute stud. Oh, yeah. Um, my question with them is just, is, are they going to be able to score in the playoffs against the top arms? I mean, they absolutely hit the hell out of Garrett Cole today in the yeah. first inning. So yeah. you know, yeah. maybe yeah. I'm just talking. But um, for me, I just got to be able to see them produce runs in the playoffs. Because if they do, I mean, that that pitching staff is going to be hard to beat. I, I agree 100%. Um, the last team that we'll touch on in the American League um, – in terms of the contenders in my eyes, the Tampa Bay Rays didn't really do much. Do you think that they're kind of taking a Cleveland approach to this, this trade deadline? Yeah, I think they realize more of where they're at and that they realize that, you know, they got David Peralta. It's a good, um, good lefty bat, but is this a world series team? Probably not, but you know, again, you're in a playoff, you're in contention to make a playoffs push, take your shot. You get in, maybe you can get lucky with some, pitching you know the, the Rays they always you know with that being said they'll probably be in the World Series this year somehow and we'll be like how the hell did that happen yeah right um, but you know yeah I didn't I didn't have a problem with it yeah I mean Rays are gonna Ray I mean that's what we always say yeah. so uh, I don't know there it's it, it's always interesting they probably ended up making the best move of the deadline and, and we like just don't we know. won't even know about it yeah, yeah. we just don't right. know it yet but you know what do we know that the Rays so some guy's gonna come out shoving a hundred yeah. All right. So I think the what we'll end on here is tell me what was this because this was hilarious to me. And this was something that we didn't touch on when we talked about it at first. Um, but when the Padres whole deal went down, and first to point out, Brandon Drury's first step out with the Padres resulted in a grand slam. Insane. Yep. Um, so already paying dividends, but there was something at the centerfold of this Juan Soto trade, and that was Eric Hosmer. And I know you and I were texting back and forth about it, about how funny it was that all of a sudden Eric Hosmer has a no trade clause and basically an ability to fuck up this trade for Juan Soto, which, by the way, I saw uh, another note, no uh, player under 24 years old who'd been an all-star twice had ever been traded mid-season that had never happened before in the history of baseball this year um the nationals should be fucking ashamed of themselves but what a mickey mouse franchise and a joke that is i mean just 
maybe I should be careful what I said. If the Nationals ever offered me a job, I'd take it. Uh, so I apologize, Mike Rizzo. <laughs> I mean, it's Juan Soto. You got to keep Juan Soto. Anyways, um, so Eric Hosmer is in the middle of it. And, and, and by the way, I don't blame Eric Hosmer one bit for what he did. I know Padres fans like were probably like, Eric Hosmer, shut up and take the deal. I don't blame him for one second for what he did. Do you think for a second that he wants to leave beautiful, sunny San Diego, California, Southern California, and go play? I, notice, I'm sure Washington's beautiful this time of year, but this is a team that is not going to be competitive at all for the next two months, probably is not going to be competitive at all for the rest of Eric Hosmer's contract. So I don't blame him for one second for vetoing that trade and demanding anything else. Yeah. No, I mean, it was without a doubt, it was hilarious because you're just like, yeah. oh, this trade's insane. And then you get the report, Eric Hosmer denied the trade. Like, <laughs> it's just like what? Um, but like, it worked out. The trade ended yeah. up going through and he got to a good spawn boss. And yeah. I, I really think that's a great fit for him. Um, but yeah, dude, just like imagine being a Padres fan and Eric freaking Hosmer is like, yeah, no, I'm not going. Yeah. And like, imagine if that trade falls through and Soto ends up being a Dodger and they keep Hosmer. Oh, the endless amount of booze yeah. that man would have heard. Oh my God, insane! That would have been that, the biggest <laughs> memes. That would have been, I think, like I, I, I think of players being booed. I think of like LeBron James's return to Cleveland. I think of, I think of Chase Utley coming, uh, uh, in that Mets Dodgers series. Um, I'm trying to think of players being booed. I mean, obviously, like I, I don't know. But like that would have been like another yeah. level of of just that would have been like the biggest fuck you from your own fans you've ever seen. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like every fan deep down, obviously, like as a Padres fan, you would be like, I mean, you're livid if that happens. But I think everyone deep down can understand where our Eric Hosmer was coming from. Yeah. He's, he's played in in san diego for years now um he's probably you know he's got a family he's probably got a nice house in san diego and all of a sudden they're like yeah sorry man uh we're gonna go grab juan soto and you're gonna be a part of this deal um so see you later um but i agree with you it's nice that he i'm glad he ended up in boston um he's got a 351 career batting average uh, at fenway park so there's something to keep an eye on there um, clear upgrade at first base for the Boston Red Sox. We didn't mention them at all. Um, I I don't know. Are they irrelevant? I mean, what is? I mean, they forgot yeah. how to play defense for the last few weeks. So I don't know. Yeah, right. no, they're 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 done. <laughs> okay, okay. But with that being said, I'm seeing them play next Saturday at home against the Yankees. There you go. And it would be really fun if you know Hosmer and the boys came out swinging. Yeah, and I could see a good game there, yeah. but after that, I could care less what the Red Sox do. Yeah, um, mainly, mainly just because if they were to get hot, it would make it really hard for the Guardians to get in. But yeah. um, so yeah. basically, if you're a team in the wild card hunt and you're not the Guardians, um, kindly go oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, that's besides the point. But yeah, yeah, I think the Red Sox are just kind of they're going to finish around 500, but yeah, not not a great spot. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It was interesting to say the least, but really hilarious part of that 
uh, of that deal. And I remember when we were first texting, I was like, how the fuck did the Padres get Juan Soto and Josh Bell and got to get rid of Eric Hosmer? I mean, it's not like he's been bad, but they, but his contract was weighing on them a little bit in terms yeah. of all the money that they've got locked up in, in Tatis and Machado. Insane. Um, let's finish off here. I want to talk about who you thought let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get the bad stuff out of the way first. Um, who was your loser? Biggest loser of the trade deadline. Biggest loser of the it's a tough gotta be, I mean, it's it's tough. It's got to be just the Milwaukee Brewers, yeah. just based on the way that I think that clubhouse must have changed. And I mean, already tonight they they lost one of the Pirates last night, and then um, tonight they've they're down seven six in the eighth inning. They've got something going, but their bullpen. I mean, Jake McGee came in, got two outs, gave up two runs. Yeah, Matt Bush threw an inning, gave up two runs. Yeah, and oh, a big trade deadline acquisition. Yeah, it's it's like why why are we if it's not broke why are we trying to fix it you know, and yeah. uh, I just I could see that being a situation where it takes them a, a week or two to kind of be like all right like yeah that sucked but we we've got to you know we got to get back to playing good baseball. Agreed, agreed, definitely. Um, since I can't pick the Brewers. Um, I mean, for me, I know, I know I was angry at them earlier and I didn't even want to mention them, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Chicago White Sox. I think everything that they've been through this year, um, how clear it is that they don't have the right manager at the helm. I think everybody knows that at this point, I don't know if the clubhouse feels the same way. I don't know if the, you know, maybe they know something we don't and they love Tony La Russa. I don't know, but I think that the front office, you know, going and making a couple of moves to shore up that team could have been such a huge, like just an injection of confidence into that clubhouse, into that team that they could have, you know, not only, you know, kicked it into gear, uh, you know, not only could they have kind of realized something in themselves and been like, you know what, like we are a great team. And clearly the front office believes they are because they went out and made a few moves. Um, but then they, you know, they kick it into gear and maybe they, maybe they do challenge, Minnesota and 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 uh, the Guardians for that top of the division or a wild card spot. So I think that was just a huge loss because they they are a talented team still on paper um, when you've got yeah. the roster that they have. So and they're know. only you know they're only two games back of the Twins yeah. and they're still there back of the Rays. So I mean, as bad as the season's been, they're only two games back and their schedule. I mean, it is a light schedule. Yeah. They they play. A lot of Kansas City, a lot of Detroit, yep. um, Oakland. You know, I'm looking at play Cleveland a few times. They only play Minnesota twice, and they're at the last week of the year. Yeah, um, the last week is challenging. It's Minnesota, San Diego, Minnesota. Yeah, but overall, I mean, August and September, they play. They play Houston for a four game set in the middle of August, and that's their only team that's uh, above 500 or. Right. Actually, and then they play Cleveland. So two teams that are in the playoff contention. And then in September, they play the Twins, the Mariners, and the Guardians. So, you know, it's a very light schedule for them the second half, last few months. Um, They're a very talented team, but, God, they are so annoying. Yeah. Well, also, you mentioned how many times they're playing Minnesota in these last few months of the year. Imagine if they had gotten a couple of pieces, they get something going. 
I mean, you've got that many games against the, the top of your division right now. You could easily make up some ground and make some noise. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that was just a the, real those game. They play the Twins, I think, three times and the Guardians twice. Those yeah. series are going to make or break their season, basically. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I totally agree. And obviously, like, like you said, there's still a chance that they make some noise, but I think, you know, doing something more than just adding Jake Dykeman. Yeah. I think that was necessary and clearly they didn't do it. Um, okay. So we got the losers out of the way. Who was your winner of the trade deadline? Um, yeah, this is, you could take the obvious one. I'm going to go with the Padres. Yeah. Obviously just, you get the best closer in baseball, the best young hitter, and then you also add in the power-hitting first baseman. Yeah. Not to mention Brandon Jury just went yard. They put up five runs without Colorado getting an out tonight. Nice. Um, you know, so that, that kind of tells you. And Tatis isn't even back. So, I mean, mm-hmm. good Lord. Just imagine what that team's going to do when he's ready to go. But, yeah. yeah, San Diego. Plus it's, plus, it's freaking beautiful out there. I mean, how can you not be a winner when you're playing San Diego? It's the best. The stadium is beautiful. The energy in that stadium. I mean, that it's. I've said it multiple times on this podcast. Besides City Field, my favorite place to, I've ever watched a baseball game. Um, and the way that that stadium is packed every single night, no matter how bad the team is. I was going to games in like 2013, 2014 when Andrew Kashner was their ace and Will Myers was like the, the star on that team. Yeah. He was their huge signing. Um, and that place was packed. And those tickets were not cheap. Um, and that was even when the chargers were still in San Diego. So, um, that says a lot. I mean, that place is just, it, I mean, how can you not be happy watching a baseball game in San Diego? Um, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll go in the American league. Um, I'll, I'll take the New York Yankees, man. Um, in terms of a winner at the deadline, I think they, they addressed every need, um, and they addressed it in a big way. They went out and got, you know, all stars at each, at each of those needs basically, or close to it. Um, and, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that they missed out on Castillo, but when you saw the package that, um, that Seattle had to give up for Castillo, um, I think that the Yankees were like, okay, I mean, if we can get a starter, you know, if we can get the number two starter on this list, which at that time was Montas, um, and give up less, I think they were happy to do that. Um, and that's exactly what they did. They got Ben and Tendi, um, getting Trevino and then, um, you know, shoring up, uh that defense which is always important in a postseason run which the yankees are are about to make um and getting harrison bader so i'll take the new york yankees um my god i mean just what a what an eventful trade deadline it seemed like it was moving so slow and then all of a sudden things started to happen i'm like exhausted like recapping all of that almost i'm ready to go to sleep yeah that was great it was i love the trade deadline best time of year it's great. And now we got the dog days of August and we'll see what, what teams are really, are really made of. All right. If anyone stuck it out until, you know, whenever this podcast is over, however long this was, um, we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, again, you know, we always say that we'll do our best to do it more consistently. Um, and we will say that again. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, now that now that you're not getting to watch like absolute studs out in Georgia every day, I think um, I think we might have a better chance of actually making yeah. that happen. So yeah, we're um, gonna try our best, folks. Yes, yeah. we will. 
damn right. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 39. I'm Casey Honigbaum. Uh, apart from me, um, but always in front of me is Mr. Matt Chase. And we appreciate you listening. Enough rambling. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you guys hopefully next week.